He's back. Sports Radio is back. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown after the long weekend, and this is an exciting day. It's NHL opening night. Overture, curtains, lights. This is it. You'll hit the heights. Yeah, that's it. The order's roster is exactly exactly what it was at the beginning of the year still have no news still 20 guys for 21 spots and we'll be talking to daniel nugent bowman he has some insight into where Raphael lavoie lands on that depth chart looks like he will not be player number 21 we'll talk to daniel also legendary broadcaster and writer dan patrick will visit us to talk about his new book the occasionally accurate annals of football that title, it, it makes me think there's going to be, there must be like, we know the fiction section and the nonfiction. Must be a little window there for one book called The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football. We'll talk to uh, Mr. Uh, Patrick at 1230 today. I mentioned the Oilers roster. We do have some news from the rink. Uh, Matthias Ekholm looks good. He's skating well. Uh, I believe it was Ryan Rashog said maybe he'll play as the seventh defenseman. And... I wonder if if they start him as the seventh defenseman, maybe he moves up. And I do think that's probably what we're going to see. One thing I want to look for in opening night is Matthias Heckholm with Philip Broberg. Do they play together? If so, how much? Also from the ring today, Oilers' second power play unit has McLeod, Kane, Brown with Nurse and CeCe. So McLeod getting some time. And, of course, Connor Brown, no real surprise there. The Oilers signed Bo Akey, their second-round pick, first choice of their team, uh, for the 2023 draft, he looked r- out of sight in preseason and in Penticton. This is an exciting time. I got to say, opening night is always exciting. Uh, I've been watching them since I remember the 1969 opening night really well. And I think I remember 68 and probably before, but but 69 I remember for sure. It was an exciting time uh, to be a hockey fan. And of course, back then you you know you read about it in the hockey news, and they'd have it on the local sports, and you know you you'd find out about it, but it wasn't it wasn't as visual as it is is now. Uh, Declan joins us now. Declan, you were working double time there. Do they pay you extra for coming in and working on that uh, fantasy show? I was I would get paid in Will Hawk beef jerky, which is more than I can ask for with how good that beef jerky is. So I'm happy Very to good. I'm happy to do uh, it. Listen, Connor's done a lot for me. I'm happy to fill in for him. What is he? Did he? Oh, is he ill? Did he need another Vegas illness? Listen, or? a little bit under the weather. Really, he's done it to himself because I'm probably going to take over the show. I would imagine they'll want me back. Mm. So I, I do feel bad for Connor, but uh, listen, dog eat dog world. Big dogs don't get eaten. Got to do what I got to do. Well, Hope he gets better, but uh, it's my show now. If 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 Connor's not here, so if he doesn't show up tomorrow, I will tell you my favorite Connor Halley Vegas story, and it involves <laughs> asking for time. Like the what time mm, is it? That's something he would do. So this is you're already turning this into like an in memoriam, is what Kinda, I'm hearing. Yeah, in his absence. And I don't want to lose you, but I knew it would happen sooner yeah. or later. And here we are. Um, we love and miss him. You bet. So what? What's the first like year you remember in the NHL? Watching the NHL, being aware of it, anticipating the opening night. Yeah, it was 04. It was the year the uh, Lightning and the Flames met in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. We'd been in Edmonton for about three years at that point, two or three years, but I was born in Calgary, lived there for the first four years of my life. So my my mo- like my like parents aren't huge hockey fans, but there was some added incentive with that playoff run with the Flames and, and, and making the uh, NHL Finals, making the Stanley Cup Finals. So that was the first season I re- remember really getting into. Then that playoff run, of course, was what piqued the interest in hockey fans since. Yeah. It's funny that you get 
you get caught up in it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like um, when the Jays were in it, not to bring that up, but there's an excitement in, in sports when your team, like I'm watching the Eagles, and I, I, I was trying to remember the last time a team that I cheer for played this well, and I think it's the Oilers in the 80s. Honestly, I do. The Eagles, they've only won one Super Bowl. Let's review here. They're not the New England Patriots, but they're, what are they, 5-0 and now? 5-0, and right atop the uh, the NFC East. And now, with with how Dallas has looked, it looks like the NFC East is... Stop it. It's I, theirs to lose. I can't be this happy. It's just euphoria. I, you can't... I gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta say some kind of mantra. I gotta calm down, because I'm too happy. Dallas is three and two now. Is that correct? Three and two, and really, if you look back through for it, like through it, excuse me, I'm stumbling my words already. That's here, okay. show's just begun. They don't have a lot of good wins. I mean, it was the Jets, it was the Patriots, and like their losses, they got they got beat by an Arizona team, not great, and they got killed by San Francisco. So, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you're sitting very pretty that this division is yours to lose. Except, killed by San Francisco may follow. A lot of teams, including the Eagles, around. They're very, very good. I'm sure they are a phenomenal team. Winnipeg Jets uh, extended Mark Shifley and Connor Halibuck. Those last until the end of time. I think Halibuck is, he'll be older than Methuselah when that contract runs out. But let's review. They got their player. And a, a city like Winnipeg, they, I love them because they draft and they develop. And that's what this is about. And I, I, I used to go to that old barn in Winnipeg. We would take dash tours from Regina to Winnipeg and drink all the way. And then all the way back. And I, I barely remember any game, but man, I had fun watching Howard Chuck and all those guys in the, the, uh, the old building. So I got a, a soft spot for the, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we will get to the NFL weekend. We've got a very busy show. Obviously, we're, we're teeing up for Dan Patrick in our number one and Daniel Nugent Bowman in our number two. He's joining us. Uh, uh, Patrick is joining us at a little bit of a wonky time, 1230, right? Yes, he's going to be calling in, calling in at 1230. So if uh, he's not on the line at 1230, I am not the one reaching out to him. He'll be calling us. So okay. don't get mad well, at me. Uh, hey, he didn't do whatever he wants. <laughs> He'll be you know? here at uh, 1230. Yes. If he, if he wants to, you know, have a long lunch, we're good. We're just thrilled to have him uh, anytime. Um I want to get to this, and I I left it until now because I had my I had my show planned, and I'm old and I get grumpy when things go out of time. But I, I can't avoid the lead, and here it is: the NHL uh, Gay Pride tape story is out and about. You can read it anywhere. Um, it's it is always amazing to me that a uh, there multi billion dollar entity, and yet you. You have to have this right. Like, it can't just be, oh, you know, this year we're going to do this or whatever. And the NHLPA, I don't even know if they've chimed in yet. And if there is, if, I know there's going to be players who break this rule. I just, I just know that. A lot of NHL stars are on the record being pro, you know, game pride tape, pregame, all of that from a year ago. And now it's walked back. Here's the thing. Here's how I look at all of these things. And I'm going to use NHL, but it can be you in your personal life or me in my personal life. The NHL made a decision. Then the NHL went back on the decision. It's a major story now, opening night. It's taking away from the event of opening night. The NHL, like you and I and anything, have to have the courage of their convictions. Whatever they are, you, you can't change midstream because it makes you look weak and it makes you look like you are vulnerable to the winds of change. And the NHL has to be better than that. It has to. 
Hockey is Canada's national sport. The NHL is the best hockey league in the world. Surely to God, they can have a spine. And today, a lot of people were thrown under the bus. A lot of people were, were, you know, put into a very difficult position. I'm assuming the NHL at some point in time made a decision. And they had a big meeting about it. And they did all of these different things. And they said, okay, we're, we're going to land here. This is how we're going to support LGBTQ communities. And now, there's a, there, I'm sorry, but you're going to have a big problem until you solve this. And what does that mean? Well, big companies, when they make big mistakes, they have people they bring in and they figure out some way to make this story, A, go away, which I don't think will happen, or B, appease those who have been offended. So what does that look like? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not one of the people who does does those crisis uh, management moments. But I think that you will see something in the next few weeks rolled out by the National Hockey League that will be an alternative. And it it probably won't involve players directly. One of the reasons this became an issue was players, certain players didn't want to be a part of it. So you it it puts a spotlight on those individuals. They get interviewed. They say things. There's a there's a um, fracture, and then you end up in a bit of a mess. Well, take it out of out of the hands of the players. Take it off of the ice. Take it somewhere else and do something that doesn't specifically involve somebody's endorsement or not endorsement. The other alternative it could have been that if a player didn't want to get involved, he would be a healthy scratch, or you know he wouldn't. He would come out for a pregame skate before the pregame skate. But the NHL's made its decision. It's gone back on its word. And whenever you do that in life, whether you're a company or an individual, unless you have sound reasoning for it, unless you have an absolute solid reason why you did it. And there's new information that comes out on things. I get that. I understand that. But not on this. This is, this is you know, understood. You have to have the courage of your convictions. You know, Declan, if you told your girlfriend that you were in favor of something and it was really important to her, and then you said three weeks later, I don't think so. I've changed my mind and I don't have a reason. What would happen? Oh, I'd get in a lot of trouble. You're damn right you would. I'd be yelled at and there would be pushback and rightfully so. She she add. might walk you. She might. Spineless. She might. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty saying. I'm pretty easy to walk all over, so it wouldn't be hard for her. But uh, it would be deserved, like I said. Don't it would be that. deserved and it would be warranted. Well, now you've sent it out to the universe. That you can... Only her. She's the only one who can walk all oh, over okay. me. And my mom, actually. My mom can walk over well, me. Moms too. can do whatever they want. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. The, the thing about moms is, um, I'm not going to tell you all the things my mom would pick up the phone and tell me that, that she thought were wrong. But well into my 40s, I was still getting phone calls from my mom correcting me in my ways, <laughs> in my life. And the reason she did that was she could. Moms could do whatever the hell they want. Because if you say anything to them, they start in about, you know, changing your diapers and you wouldn't be here. And it's all factual. You can't deny it. So moms are a different, you know, they're a different category altogether. But good on you for manning up and admitting it. I know where I stand. You know, that's one of the keys in life. As Clint Eastwood said, a man's got to know his limitations. The defense pairings for the Oilers today, Nurse Bouchard, Kulak, Cece, Broberg, DeHarnay, but Ekholm and Niemelainen um, are on the ice, I believe, it, as well. And I wonder what they'll do with Niemelainen and who comes up. We're going to talk to Daniel about it. He's got a great article up at The Athletic. And we'll talk about that. 
Anything from the NFL weekend that you liked? I know that you all want to talk about uh, college football, but let's start with the NFL. Do love college football. Thank you for that shout out. I mean, listen, the biggest story, two biggest stories for me, the two biggest stories for me, I should say, were how good and how separate from the rest of the pack San Francisco truly looks to be. Yeah. We all knew they were good, but I didn't think they were blow out the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football good. And they have just been running over teams. They look like there's no competition in the NFC for them. I think it's their conference to lose. So that was the biggest one. The other one is how bad the Patriots really look. Oh, my God. Two worst home losses in Bill Belichick's career, or two worst losses in back-to-back weeks. We got a text a little uh, a little earlier this month, or maybe, maybe end of last month, that said, what are the Patriots going to do with the first pick? And I sat up here and I laughed and I said, they're not going to have the first pick. They very well might. They look horrible. They look like they don't have an offensive identity. Mac Jones doesn't look competent. It looks like it's time to move on from him already. And I never thought I would see the day when a Bill Belichick team is so underwhelming. But the Patriots have looked horrible. And if they weren't favored in any of their games for the rest of their season, I would completely understand why. They have been terrible. Can I switch to college now? I would love that, yeah. Longhorns, what what do you want to talk about there? Listen, I think Oklahoma is just a very good team with a very good quarterback who didn't get a lot of credit because of their performance last season and how they went out losing six, seven in a row. Listen, I, what can I say? Texas is a very good team who just happened to lose to a better team. Now, I think Texas, I actually still think they're going to make the college football playoff, and I'll tell you why, and I'll make this short. I think they're going to run the table in the Big 12. I think they are going to go. they are going to go into the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma and I think they're going to beat Oklahoma in a rematch. And I'm not taking anything away from Oklahoma. They played great. They scored a touchdown with 15 seconds left to win it in a phenomenal game. But I think when that Big 12 championship game comes, Texas is going to win the rematch. The teams are both going to be one loss. They're both going to be one loss against each other. And Texas is going to have the recency bias with the win. And they're going to be a conference champ. So I think they're still going to make the uh, college football playoff. But I give Oklahoma their credit. I let them have their moment. They played phenomenal. And Dylan Gabriel is for real and can work himself into that Heisman conversation. You're too comfortable now. You just are. I know. Sorry. I I'm going to make this long. brief. <laughs> I went a little long. I have a tendency to ramble. What are you, Dr. Henry Kissinger over there? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were you were going to bring up your uh, your Notre Dame fighting Irish. They I, lost. They I know, lost I, against I, Louisville. Look, I, I cheer every year for Notre Dame, and it never works. Uh, and Lou Holtz was the last coach that, that I mean, I don't know how, how he did it, but he had some kind of weirdness that would allow them to win more games than, than you would expect. But they've been, they've been kind of, I know that people expect them to do certain things, but they've been kind of disappointing for a long time. I agree because the expect, I wouldn't say, listen, when you talk about expectations in college football, in the era we're in now, you expect Alabama. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan to compete for national titles. Mm -hmm. You expect Notre Dame to be in that second tier, yet they want to compete for national titles. The truth is they're just not in that conversation. So when you grade it on that scale, they're where they should be. But for a program in a school like Notre Dame, certainly it's underwhelming. So you can text us at 1-833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. Dan Patrick is going to join us. The Dan Patrick Show and first time I ever saw him was with Olbermann uh, on uh, ESPN, and they would do Sports Center, and it was brilliant. They they did the highlight package like everybody else did, but they their comments very quick, very flippant, just fantastic uh, uh, personalities. And so that was the first time that I that I saw him, and I knew he was very famous. I did I just did a little looking into how famous he is, and he knows everybody. He was in a Hootie and the Blowfish video. Um, years ago, and he's he's got a book out, 
and we're going to talk about it. It's it's kind of a funny book because the title gives it all away. But I'm very curious about what we might see in a book called The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football. Like, is there, because occasionally accurate means they go off-roading a little bit. So are we going to see something like um, Andy Reid's brilliance with clock management? I mean, just to, just make up a story, write it contrary to all facts that are known, and throw that in the book. I think that would be kind of hilarious. One thing I did find out, and I hope this is true because it's too good not to be. Michael H. Cohen wrote the book with him, and he graduated from the U of A. I think that's pretty cool. I'm sorry, Joel H. Cohen. I didn't go to university. I think that's a very cool story. We'll talk to him about that at 1230. Low tide, he was brief. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He, he did not take long. U of A versus the Huskies at 1 o'clock at Foot Field this Saturday. The Horns will win in the Big 12. Michigan will win the... What's what? What's Big X? What is that? Big 10. Big 10. Why, why do you call it? Oh, I got it. Okay, yeah, I got Roman it. Roman numeral. Georgia will beat Alabama to win the SEC. Pac-10, Pac-12, sorry. I'm, I'm old. Pac-12 is a toss-up. USC has been disappointing other than Caleb Williams. USC doesn't have a defense. Me and Low Tide could hang 21 points on them. You're lying. That's what, what you're doing. Their you could hang is. 21, and I'd be, you know, I'd be over at the ambulance. That's how bad their that's how bad their defense is. I, I'm pretty on par with everything Ryan said. The one I think Oregon and Washington, the game this week, is going to decide who's going to be the best team in the Pac-12. I will say that. I don't understand the NHL. Like I'm, this is a different I'm not understanding the NHL. The Anaheim Ducks have claimed Ross Johnston off waivers from the Islanders. He's got three years left on a 1.1 million dollar deal. He, Ross Johnston is the last of the, you know, cheap shot enforcer type guys. And I, I mean, I, I'm still surprised that he had three years left on a $1.1 million deal, but I'm shocked that he got picked up on waivers. He's gigantic, too. 6'5, 232. I see that Calgary brought in AJ Greer off waivers. It's going to be a more rugged division in the Pacific this year. Do you know why teams get more rugged? Because they don't like losing to teams like the Oilers. They're gonna they're gonna muddy up the waters. They're going to you know get a little belligerent. They're gonna make some knee on knee hits. They're gonna be asshats, and it works. It just does because then people get mad and then they swing their sticks and then they get penalized. And I mean, if you don't have the talent, one of the ways to gum up the works is to hire Ross Johnston. And it does work. Now, does it work long-term? No. But if you're going to lose 5-1 and you lose 4-2 instead, and maybe win one game, one night, one year, at least your fans are going to be happy because you've got some guy doing some unusual things out there on the ice. All right, it's 12-20. At 12-30 today... We are thrilled. We are so looking forward to our conversation with Dan Patrick from the Dan Patrick Show. He's got a new book out, The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football, uh, with Joel H. Cohen as co-writer. Joel H. Cohen writes Simpsons episodes. Pretty funny guy. And we'll talk about the book, 
what it is, what it is not. And we'll also have Daniel Nugent Bowman in hour number two from The Athletic. He's got a great article up about Raphael Lavoie and why his being on waivers and clearing doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win the 21st job on that NHL roster for the Edmonton Oilers. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. 1224, this is the lowdown on Sports 1440. Man, I had a good weekend. I got to say, I had a very good weekend. It was the turkey, and then is it tryptophan? Is that what it's called? Yes, tryptophan. That's the sleepy, uh, yeah. sleepy medicine Just in the turkey. Staring at a wall for a while, and but I enjoyed it. I I, I did get my walks in, and uh, Ziggy and I spent a lot of time together. Uh, the kids played video games. We got uh, a wonderful turkey dinners from Darcy's Meat Market. They did a great job. Thanked them very much in Saint Albert. Um, I man, I enjoyed it very, and they had lots of veggies, and I love veggies, but they had lots of everything else too. It was, it was really good. I did not have the bun. I mean, <laughs> after after the meal that I had, not having the bun is you know it's it's a humble brag, but I didn't. What about you? Did you have a nice time? Did you do something really cool? Yeah, I had a great Thanksgiving. I had Thanksgiving dinner on Sunday with my mom and my grandparents. They came up from Calgary for a visit, which was really nice, as always. Then Monday night, I had uh, I had a Thanksgiving dinner with my girlfriend's family and had another great Thanksgiving meal, plenty so of turkey. Two, you I did, I nice. did. And if my dad had been around, I would have made it a perfect three. But he uh, jetted off to his college, so I only or to his cottage, so I only went two for two. But I'm still pretty happy with it. It was a great weekend. So, just so we're clear, does your dad actually have a college? He does not have a... He was a prof once at uh, at, a, at a college. He taught a political science course. What college? Red Deer College. Nice. Yeah. He just did it. Like, he would work his... I don't want to, you know, talk too much about my family here, but he would work his government job uh, nine to five. Then he would drive down after and teach uh, night classes at uh, Red Deer College for like a year. My wife went to Red Deer College back oh, in yeah. the day. Yeah. Really good college. Yeah. I went and sat in on one of his classes and it was cool. Yeah. Seemed like an okay prof. I don't know. Yeah, well, everybody was being nice because you were there. No, they didn't know. People just thought I was someone in the class. Like, I oh, remember okay. one girl turned to me and she said, like, she was like, it was the second lecture, I think. And she turned to me and said, this is going to be a hard course. And I just remember thinking, like, I won't be here, but good luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, you should see him at home. Yeah, okay. No <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, anyway, so it was a good time. You had two turkeys. I'm not jealous at all. It was all good. And I hope that you had a good time. Um I was wondering why Dan was on. Now it's clear. Yeah, he's got a book. And and um, I, I I followed his career since, what, the mid-'80s, I guess? Is that right? Somewhere in there. And uh, he's, he's hung around a long time successfully, done similar work, but a lot of different areas, a lot of different companies. Uh, but, but I remember Bob Lee, um, Chris Berman, Obviously, Obelman, um, Tom Meese, they're a great group of people uh, back in the day. And Patrick lasted a long, long time there. And then he's continued to do his own show and he does it his way. And it's a brilliant show. Um, and they break stories and they have great, great uh, guests all of the time. And he writes as well. He's a, a learned fellow and he's very successful. And we're delighted to have him coming up in about three minutes from right now. That's if he calls. I mean, who knows? In in my opinion, there's only one thing that will beat talent. It's hard work. Hard work beats talent long-term every single time. I don't agree, I have to say. I'd rather be talented. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just disagree with you there. I think that, that 
hard work is easy to cheer for. Hard work is is grand when you don't have great skill. But great skill trumps hard work 10 times out of 10. You know, and for those of us who don't have great skill and do not work hard, well, it's just tough. That's what it is. Speaking of, on the trade rumors story today, I'm going to have uh, an item on the Columbus Blue Jackets. They want to trade a defenseman, but they're all like their sixth defenseman. They got like four of them. So. Hard work can beat talent if talent doesn't work hard. Well, that's true. But that's over a long season, and that's on a night when maybe you're playing the the you know third game in four nights. Maybe skill doesn't get get where it needs to be. But if you're in a, like a best-of-seven series in the National Hockey League and you're the Vancouver Canucks, then then you're playing the Edmonton Oilers, then I don't, I don't care how hard you work. You're just not going to be able to. If the Oilers play their game and they play their skill game, there's just no way. And that's true of any sport. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, Atlanta Braves being an example of that last night. I don't know if you watched the game, but my God, that was that looked like it was going to be an all-time classic. And you know, everybody's mad at Bryce Harper, but I think it was I I mean, I thought it was gone and certainly off the wall, if not, but it ended up costing them big time. Now joined by Dan Patrick from the Dan Patrick Show. A new book, The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football. Sounds perfect for you, Dan Patrick. Historical book with room to ad lib and cut around the edges. I like it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Was it your concept? Oh, I think it was collaborative. Uh, Joel Cohen, who writes for The Simpsons, was he contacted me about playing an announcer on The Simpsons in an episode that'll be airing this fall. And we just started talking about sports, and then we started talking about football, and then he had questions about certain things, like the butt fumble. He was like, why, are, why is it called the butt fumble? Well, you know, why isn't it called this? Or why is Mark Sanchez blamed for the butt fumble? And then, you know, we brought up the tuck rule. And then we brought, I mean, we just kept going back and forth. The Wizenator, uh, just back and forth. And then he said, would you be interested in writing a book? And I said, sure. And then he goes, <laughs> all right. He goes, let me go back into my laboratory. You go back in yours and then write down things that you have questions about with the NFL. And uh, I said, okay. And then, so we, it was sort of a, a game of verbal tennis. We just kept batting things back and forth. And then he had some writing, writing friends who said, Hey, can I get something off my chest? So it just became sort of a collaborative throw everything in the blender and see what it tastes like when it comes out. You know, Joel Cohen graduated from University of Alberta right here in Edmonton. I was wondering, did he try to sneak any CFL references in there? Because they do that on The Simpsons sometimes. Yes, yes. Uh, we uh, pay homage to the CFL. We are big CFL fans. Love it, love it. 240 pages. My hope there is chapters on things like Andy Reid's brilliant clock management and how the Jets won the draft. <laughs> do I see that? <laughs> uh, we try to fix the Jets. Um there, there's so many topics that it was, it was where we go, God, we got to leave that one out. Uh, we fix penalties. Uh, we talk about tailgating. We talk about, uh, we turn the immaculate reception into um, a uh, sermon. The butt fumbles <laughs> in there. Uh, media, TV's impact, trash talk. Uh, we even have a report on what the 2073 season in the NFL will look like. <laughs> Uh, anything on Hank Stram's hair? 
No. Okay. No, he, we, there are certain things that are off limits, okay. and that would be, right. of course, you know, Hank Stram. Okay. Uh, what, did you pick on the Jets the most? <laughs> I felt like it in the bio. Maybe you did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that was low-hanging fruit, but, I mean, there's certain things that you just say, all right, do we or don't we? And then, you know, there would be low-hanging fruit, and we go, no, no, let's be a little more highbrow than that. Although we did compare Tom Brady's diet to Kenny the Snake Stabler <laughs> of the Raiders. Uh, I think bacon-wrapped cigarettes was part of uh, Kenny Stabler's uh, diet. So we, we had fun with it, and that's what I, I tell people. A lot of these books about the NFL are serious. They're about gladiators. They're about you know, moments. And we thought, okay, this can be about gladiators and moments, but let's have fun with those moments and gladiators. I, I I get the feeling from reading about it. And I'm really looking forward to reading the book. That that uh, you know, for me, the the golden era of of the sports centers was you and and Keith Olbermann, just because you you were factual, but you were outside the lines a little bit. And in a way, thematically, this feels like it's almost the same thing. Only obviously in book form. Yeah, I think Joel Cohen, who is once again the writer for The Simpsons. Uh, was taking the framework of how we approach sports on SportsCenter back in the 90s. And that is, do your job, cover all the bases, all the facts, be buttoned up, be a good writer, now have sort of uh, interpretation, artist interpretation, poetic license. And that's what we tried to do. It was always product first, and then we were second. Personality was second. If you got that in reverse order you usually heard from management. So can we expect another NFL one, or would you do an NBA one, or is this just a one-off? I might do baseball. There's so many stories, characters, and it's been around you know, longer than the other sports, so there might be something. Because you know, when you think of memories, dad took you to a baseball game. It wasn't dad took me to a basketball game. Mm-hmm. You probably couldn't afford going to a football game in the NFL, but a baseball game or a spring training game. And, you know, I think there's a lot of that passed down from generation to generation that that might be something that we would explore. Dan Patrick, our guest, new book, The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football, out and about very soon. Now, I wanted to ask you because you obviously there are some very well-known people who have contributed to this book. But in getting ready for this interview, I knew that you had done cameos and you'd appeared in videos and all, but you've hung around with some pretty famous people, sir, for a long, long time. You're, you're kind of iconic. <laughs> um, how do I answer that? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yes. I'm not sure. Just say yes, like I'm old. Um, I, I've been fortunate because there, there's a common ground uh, in that sports, no matter if you're an actor, uh, you're a musician, politician, sports is sort of the common ground. That That's the playground. And I think because of that, you know, it, it was a wide variety of people who would be watching our shows and watching ESPN or being part of those shows in ESPN. Therefore, you're in the same circles of sorts. Um, and But I never lost sight of, hey, I'm I'm one of them, it's they're one of us, and I, I never got that in reverse order. 
when I first wa- started watching ESPN, uh, I was just spellbound by it. Tom Meese, uh, Bob Lee, uh, mm-hmm. you, and all of the, that group. I, I'm not surprised at the at the the footprint that 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 group had because it lasted a long, long time and it's still ongoing. Um, do you feel like there was a point at which, and I'm not asking you to criticize ESPN, but maybe like the Simpsons where it kind of morphs and morphs again and morphs again. And sometimes you, the, the mix doesn't come out quite right and you lose a little bit of the magic. Well, we were fortunate back in the nineties that you had a tune in factor with your audience. We didn't have social media. You couldn't, you might find out if your team won or lost, but you wouldn't be able to see the highlights and we would get you tuning in because you were waiting to see your highlights. And that gave us a home court advantage or a home field advantage because you had people coming to you. Now, if you're on SportsCenter, we already know what happened. We've already seen analysis or heard analysis, everybody on social media or somebody who has a podcast. And therefore, what are you doing? How do you approach this that doesn't feel watered down? And, I, and that's really a challenge of being a SportsCenter anchor now, whereas when we were doing it, it you we were surprising you with what you were going to see. Mm. Uh, or at least a lot of times we were, and uh, we took advantage of that. Dan Patrick, this has been such an enjoyable experience. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank oh. you. All right. Dan Patrick. The book is The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football. It's factual until it isn't, and I can't wait to read it. I'm hoping for something on Andy Reid, and I'm disappointed there's no Hank Stram, but he did say, you know, Maybe there'll be an NBA one. And on we go. God, does he have a voice, eh? Holy mackerel. My goodness. Does it ever rival you? I didn't think I would oh, see or on. hear the day when no, someone no, could rival no. your voice, but he's no, right no, there. No, no, no. That's, that's a different league right there. That is a different league. That was outstanding. I want to thank Brad Slater for getting us that interview. You know, you hope for things. Which the, you're a young broadcaster, but you've interviewed people. What's your favorite interview that you've done in your career? My favorite, I think, was probably, it's not the biggest name, but it was Marcus Grant. He's a fantasy football insider, well over 100,000 Twitter followers. So well, he does that have means a following. He's a famous guy. But he was just so cordial and informative. And obviously, I'm young, like you said, but that was the first one where I really realized I was having a conversation where I was learning from someone as yeah. opposed to asking them questions. And I really relish in that. Interesting. That's, yeah. a, great, that's a great viewpoint. I've. I've been very fortunate to interview some really cool people over the years. Um, Grant Fear was a great interview. Oh, I, I, would I was, imagine. I just, I, I, I was, I remember because I, I mean, I, I, Grant Fear was part of the greatest team I ever saw, and um, you know, I, I, I'd seen him interviewed a lot, but I was, I was amazed at how humble he was and is. You know, I, I think people don't get that about him, maybe because he doesn't get interviewed a lot or, or whatever. But I, I mean, I was. I was trying to give him credit for, for, you know, playing brilliantly for the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s. He's like, well, with a team like that, you know, and I'm like, I saw a lot of three-on-ones against Grant Fuhrer. I know that they were a great team, but they they were a little loose sometimes, and, and he saved their bacon. So that was very cool. I wonder how much involvement Dan Patrick had writing those hilarious Sports Center commercials. Well, I tweeted one out the other day. Um, who was he hitting with a chair? I can't remember now. It was a brilliant one where where he's... Um, oh, my buddy Dean sent it to me. I'm going to look on my phone now, and I'm going to find this. This is so radio. 
Um, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was going to say, yeah. it must be a wrestling yeah. related So Stone one. Cold yeah. is there, and he's trying to study, and it's late at night. He can't stay awake. <laughs> and he just hammers him with a chair just twice. Bang, bang. And um, the... When I, when I saw it on the YouTube, the, one of the comments was apparently he was told, you know, Austin just said, no, really hit me hard. Like, really, really, like, hammer it. I want to sell this. So it was very good. Yeah, people are saying Stone Cold. They know their stuff. Maybe I didn't listen enough on the other station, but your guests you're getting these days are just awesome. Thanks. Well, we have lots of help. Um, we have a phenomenal executive producer in Brad, who you mentioned, who yeah, does a incredible yeah. job. Yeah, and, and so do you. Well, no. not like Brad, but thank you. So I have a question for you. I'm a little bamboozled with the time. Are are we supposed to take a break right now? I think so. Right. I think it's break time. Okay. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 Twang Tuesday, and you can't have Twang Tuesday without some Conway. We should get some Loretta in here, too. Low Tide, that guy is right. But the high-end guys, all of them are the hardest workers. Crosby, McDavid, Gretzky, they're the hardest workers on the team. Everybody says that. Well, but, I, you know, this is I always have this problem with people. I don't, you know, they're not working hard enough. Well, you know, everybody's trying. And sometimes there have been times in Oilers history, going back to the 80s, when maybe... Something was done the night before that affected them. I'm thinking of a Hartford game back in the day. But most of the time, these guys are are just playing their hearts out. You know, it's a career, but it's also, it's what they do. So they have a lot of pride in it. And the difference between today's athlete and, and 25, 30 years ago or 40 years ago is conditioning. You know, it's like putting Declan and I next to each other. You know, one of us has done a lot of work. And the other one's really talented. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're both, of course. You're both. Oh, hey. Um, the, the fact is that the world has changed for hockey players. Nutrition is better. Equipment is better. All of those things are, are better. Um, but I, I, I remember when I was a kid, Phil Esposito used to go out on the ice when his wingers were Ken Hodge and Wayne Cashman. And then Hodge and Cashman would go off, and then the second line wingers, which were Johnny Busick and Johnny McKenzie, would come on. Esposito would stay, and then the third line would come on, and it would be like Garnet Bailey and Eddie Westfall, and Esposito would stay. So the centermen, Fred Stanfield and Derek Sanderson, they'd miss a shift because Esposito wouldn't get off the ice. And Esposito was slow when he started the shift, but he would play five-minute shifts. And, I mean, it just, it's, you can't do that now. Your shifts are like 37 seconds, and it's balls out the whole way and the whole way back, and then you jump off and the next guy comes on. It's it's a different – the sport of hockey is different now than it's ever been, and that's one of the reasons. And you can thank Fred Shiro for that, although I still think the Habs were doing it earlier, but I can't confirm that. I've asked, but nobody can confirm. I think the Oilers – or the, the, the orders. I think the Montreal Canadiens beat the, the Boston Bruins in the late 60s, early 70s because they changed. They, they had three lines that they rolled and they had 11 forwards they used. And I don't think Boston did. And one of them was that Phil Esposito wouldn't come off the ice. I'm not bitter, although I'm very, very bitter. Yeah, people are saying that it was kind of cool that Dan Patrick mentioned the CFL. And I think it is. I love that they got some CFL references. There could be many of them. Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, 
I'm always aware of the fact that that um, when I can't remember the year, but there was a running back from the Cardinals, Metcalf, Eric, Eric Metcalf or Terry, one of the two, one of the Metcalfs. He came up from St. Louis to Toronto, and I it was seventy four somewhere in there, and I remember reading Pro Football Weekly at the time, and he came up for a raise. He got a raise. He goes from the Cardinals to the Argonauts, and he gets a raise. Now, it happened later, but it was more of a publicity stunt when it happened later on. Metcalf actually came for more money because the Argos were offering it to a football player who came in and played a role. It's not like that now. Good afternoon, low tide. I believe the Oilers are in an awkward position where the Condors will have to be mindful not to violate the AHL's development rule when dressing their lineup. A non-development player or two may have to be moved, this despite having wiggle room on the 50-man contract limit. It's true, the, the, the rules say that you can only dress so many veterans and you have to dress younger players and there's a ratio. The, the thing that I worry about for the Oilers, or for the, the Condors, I guess, but the Oilers organization, is they have four wingers, four skill wingers right now. And that's a lot. It's hard to do. And... Colin Chalk is a good coach, but you've got four wingers. You need them to play. You, 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 need, you need the four wingers to play down there. There's Xavier Burgo, who is a first-round draft pick. Carter Savoy, who has first-round talent. Raphael Lavoie. And the kid that just came out of junior, Matvey Petrov, who's had two 90-point seasons in the OHL. And you could include Tyler Tulio, but there's four guys. Now, you're not going to play... You're not going to have two sets of top lines with young wingers on both of them. Somebody like Seth Griffith is going to play or Drake Kajula is going to play wing. So you've got a lot of players and somebody's going to get lost in the shuffle. Do you remember back in the day, it would have been 14 years ago, something like that, 13, 12, somewhere in there. The Oilers had Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, Magnus Pajarvi, and Linus Omark. Do you know that, that when Linus Omar came here, they his name was Linus, and and because it Linus rhymed with something, they changed it to Linus, but it's really Linus? See, and this is news to me because I always knew him as Linus Olmark. Yeah, because it was Olmark, Linus until, until some of us started making, you know, crack because of the maturity level of the blogs at the time. So they changed it to Linus. Anyway, Linus Omar kind of got lost in the flood. And then Paya Yarvi... Magnus Pajarvi, he got lost the following year because the Nuge came in. And Tom Rennie said at the end of the year, he said, yeah, I kind of lost Magnus Pajarvi. You can have too many good, young, skilled players, and you can't get them all in the same boat. You know, like if we had five Declans, that would be too many. You can only have one or two of those. Then you got to have a bunch of old people moving slow. That way, you know, it's like culling the herd. Uh, low tide, would you believe Lavoie walks next offseason? No, no, I don't. They got him through waivers. He'll play. I have him for uh, the athletic. I do a, a reasonable expectation series every year. I have him playing 35 games in the NHL and scoring seven goals this year. I think that's a very fair reflection of what he'll do. He can score goals in the NHL. Ken Holland, in the piece that Daniel Nugent Bowman uh, did, and we're going to talk to Daniel next hour about it. It's true. It's true, folks. Th- these guys are coming up. They're playing. 
but Ken Holland doesn't develop. He develops guys by sundial. Dylan Holloway, Philip Roberg, Evan Bouchard. They have not had the same push that guys were getting a decade ago. Remember when Justin Schultz came in and he's playing like more minutes than anybody as a rookie. And Clefbaum, by year two, he was playing a ton. If you go and look at the Evan Bouchard minutes through his early career and compare them to Oscar Clefbaum through his early career, they're not comparable. One was thrust into the spotlight unready, although he was very talented, and the other was brought along by Sundial. Personally, I think somewhere in the middle is the best idea, but they just don't ask me. Low Tide, I believe I agree with you on the Boston thing. Big G, thank you. You can always text us at 833-401-1440 to say, Al, I agree with you. And those texts will always get read. That's my promise to you. I would say both Mario and Brett Hall didn't work as hard as some, but they had talent, which put them ahead. Shanked one. Well, uh, Brett Hall was was legendary for kind of being a, a you know, lollygagger. Mario got hurt a lot, but I don't think Mario Lemieux was... You know, there's a, there's a thing that happens with big players. They don't look like they're going fast. But Mario Lemieux is, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to say this and I will be doomed to the, you know, pits of hell, fires of hell, whatever hell is. Um, I think if Mario had been healthy, he might have been the best player of all time. The Pride Tate people have texted out a response. I'm going to read it for you, and then we're going to take a break. The Pride Tape team is extremely disappointed by the NHL's decision to eliminate Pride Tape from any league on-ice activities. The league has used language in recent days which would prohibit the tape from any proximity to NHL hockey. We hope the league and teams will again show commitment to this important symbol of combating homophobia. Many of the players themselves have been exceptional advocates for the tape. For the last six years, we're grateful for the clubs and their players' support and visibility for inclusion in hockey. The NHL's amplification and global influence has been an integral part of the Pride Tape connecting with players, parents, coaches, officials, fans at all levels in over 40 countries. Seven years ago, Pride Tape was born out of adversity as a grassroots hockey initiative that remains resilient and optimistic about our plans with hockey clubs, organizations, and their partners at every level. Thank you to everyone around the world who has had the courage to speak up for inclusion and to stand up for the idea that hockey is for everyone. Despite this setback, we're encouraged for what lies ahead based on our recent conversations from every corner of the sport. Have the courage of your commitment. Make your decision and stay with it. That's a basic tenet of life. You you have to go through life with that. Unless you're the NHL. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. This is a Sports 1440 update. And with your Sports 1440 update, the NHL season gets underway today. Three games on the schedule kicked off by the Preds and Lightning at 3.30. And then the debut of Connor Bedard as the Blackhawks take on the Penguins. Also on the slate today, Kraken and Golden Knights. NHL news, in case you missed it, the NHL sent a memo to teams last week clarifying what players can and cannot do as part of team celebrations this season, including a ban on the use of rainbow-colored stick tape for Pride Nights. The updated guidance reaffirms on-ice player uniforms and gear for warm-ups and official team practices cannot be altered to reflect theme nights, Pride, Hockey Fights Cancer, or Military Appreciation. 
players can voluntarily participate in team celebrations off the ice. NFL news is Dolphins running back Devin Achain is expect to miss multiple weeks with a knee injury. Minnesota Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson will also miss at least the next four games because of a strained right hamstring. And the Atlanta Falcons have traded for Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson. That trade involves a swap of 2025 draft picks. Toronto Maple Leafs officially signed forward Noah Gregor to a one-year $775,000 contract in AHL, AJHL action as two games are on the schedule. It's Grand Prairie in Calgary and Fort Mac in Drumheller. MLB action today, Astros and Twins just after two. That series is 1-1 and the Orioles and Rangers just after six. That series is 2-0 in favor of the Rangers. I'm Declan and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.